awaited savior of humanity, Imam al-Mahdi alayhi salam, my respected teachers, elders, brothers and sisters, salamu alaykum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Usikum bittaqwallah wal wara'a fi deenikum. I call myself and all of you towards God consciousness and piety in the way of the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In chapter number 20, Surah Taha, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has three verses in order which speak about the relationship between turning away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the type of life that one would lead. I wish to be able to connect these ayat and certain ahadith to the passing of Shahr Ramadan into the month of Shawwal and us to reflect on ensuring that we keep up the good habits, the good practices that we have achieved in the month of Ramadan. Verse 124, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the following, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِي فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ذَنْكَ وَنَحْشَرَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts this sequence of verses with the following. Whoever turns away from my remembrance, indeed he will live a depressed life. And will gather him, and we will gather him on the day of resurrection, blind. So you can see here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts the verse, I'm telling us if we turn away from his remembrance, specifically from his dhikr. As a result of that, there are two things. That he will live in this world, a life of depression. And in the next world, he will be raised blind. The verses continue. And now the verse speaks about the day of judgment and the person who is going to be raised blind the person is now quoted. Allah quotes what he will say, prophesying what he says on the day of judgment. Qala, Rabbi, lima a'ma? My Lord, why have you raised me blind? Waqad kuntu basira. Whilst in the dunya, I used to be able to see. I used to be able to see. I used to be able to see what was in front of me. But in dunya, I could see. In akhirah, you have raised me blind. The response comes, this is the way He responds, thus you did our signs come to you, but you forgot them. You turned away from them. And on this day, we have forgotten you. So because you forgot us, the outcome is we forget you. Now we have concluded the month of Ramadan. And you can see in this sequence of verses, there is an interesting order, a play that is being presented to us. That we spent 30 days in submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So interesting, isn't it? That we have turned away from that which is mubah and mustahab for us to do. Sometimes it would be wajib for us. Yet, during the day, these very same practices become haram for us which has shown us the capacity that we have within us to control ourselves, to be in a position to decide what I want to do for myself. And for 30 days we have built up that practice whereby we have increased our remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
He says, وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِ Whoever now turns away from my remembrance, فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ذَنْكَ He would live a life of depression. He would live a life of sadness. It is interesting that sometimes we actually have a term for this. I don't know if you've come across or you, you think something similar. We have a term where we say something like post-holiday blues. So we go on holiday and then we come back, back to our normal life. And because we enter, we submerge back into the normalcy of life, the rat race, we say we need another holiday to greet our holiday. Otherwise, you know, we go back into a depressed mode. I'm back at home. I have to do everything the same again. Back to the rat life, rat race. I need this because I have post-holiday blues. I think now we have come to the point where we now say we have post-Ziara blues. And then we also say we have post-Shahr Ramadan blues as well. How interesting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whoever turns away from my remembrance, he will live a depressed state. He will have the blues, we might say in our terms. He will feel down because the person has been on this high. This person has been connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His internal state changed, therefore his external state also changed. What happened in here over a period of 30 days was renewed, made alive again. And because we were all going through that collectively, the outside space, be it here or be it at home or with our friend circle, all of that changed as well for 30 days. Everybody was enlivened. The Quran says, In ahsantum, ahsantum li anfusikum. If you do good, it is for your own selves. Because the state that you exist in will now manifest itself in the external world. The energy that you have created around you will reverberate with everybody else. What happens is when I drop off, when I turn away from that remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it might be that someone else is keeping it up. So now I'm not in a comfortable state anymore. It might be that if I drop that remembrance, another person drops it. And now we together are not feeling the same satisfaction with the way in which we were in the previous 30 days. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says there is a direct relationship here. The one who turns away from my remembrance, he will live that depressed state. For us to avoid that means to keep up with the things that we have been accomplishing, the things that we have been achieving. There are two very interesting hadith from Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib salawatullahi wa salamuhu that are really worth reflecting over in this particular issue. The first one he says, and these two hadith are almost opposites of one another. You will see how in the reality of them at face value they conflict. But if you think about them, how beautiful they are about different circumstances. These two hadith will talk to us about who returns back to Allah and who continues their progression towards Allah. First hadith is as follows. لا تتمسكن بمدبر ولا تفارقن مقبلا Never hold on to the one who turns back. So in the context of post-Shahr Ramadan blues, 
and keeping up the progression that we have made rather than the decline in the progression that we have made Imam Ali salam says never hold on to the one who turns back you'll see that there will be friends amongst us family members amongst us who after the 30 days of Shah Ramadan will be glad that it's all over they get to just return back as if nothing had changed the month was a blip it was the anomaly and then you will see for example how the fourth Imam Zainul Abideen speaks about his grief at the departure of the month of Ramadan there were those who were sad that the month departed never hold on to the one who turns back that person who wants you to go back to the normalcy of life who doesn't want to keep up the progression Imam says don't hold on to that person as long as you can you remain within that positive state and the effects that you have accomplished in the month of Ramadan and do not separate from the one who moves forward if you find the family the friend who is moving forward after Shah Ramadan Imam says never separate from that person you hold on to that person you grab hold of him and make sure that you are walking with that person you are sitting with that person you are going out for a meal with that person you are inviting that person home that person will keep you linked to Shah Ramadan and you both will keep each other linked to the progresses made in Shah Ramadan a second hadith very interesting from Amir al-Mu'mineen Ali ibn Abi Talib Salawatullahu wasalamuhu alayhi He says the following La rubbama aqbal al-mudbir It may be that sometimes the one who turns back actually moves forward Wa adbal al-muqbil And the one who moves forward actually turns back you see here the nuance is that we need to understand the reality of who's actually moving forward and who's actually moving back it may be sometimes that the one who turns back he actually moves forward how does this work out because really when we say he's moving backwards we don't mean it here in the progression sense it means that he's moving back towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he's doing his tawbah so he is the one who's going back it may be that really he's the one moving forward and it may be the one who appears that he's moving forward the reality is he is moving back it takes the discerning eye and hearts to be able to think about the company that I'm with and that will have so much of a reflection on the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to sit with those people who remind you of God those people who will enliven the debate about Quran remind us about a hadith of Ahlul Bayt and that will give us a grounding to ensure that the progress that was made in Shah Ramadan continues inshallah we can all do that and we can think about what plan of action that we want to make to ensure that our Shah Ramadan is successful and how we want the following weeks to continue on with that progress Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim wa la asr innal insana lafi khusr illa alladhina amanu wa amilu as-salihati wa tawasaw bil-haqqi wa tawasaw bil-sabr
وجل أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وبه نستعين ثم الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى أهل بيته الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين أما بعد Awaited Savior of Humanity, Imam Al-Mahdi alayhi salam, my respected brothers and sisters, Salaamu alaykum jami'an wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I call myself and all of you towards piety and God consciousness in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This week, in some of the news that has occurred, it is a very interesting week for us to be able to think about. We had the visitation of Donald Trump to the United Kingdom and it was seen the events that he participated in and the comments that he made. It was also very heartening to see that there was such a brilliant turnout in terms of a national demonstration against his presence in the country. If you think about the news and if you think about the way in which it's being portrayed to you, it is so interesting the narrative that is being presented. We had leading politicians who actually went on the demonstration and spoke out against the presence of Donald Trump. Yet much of the news maligned him for doing so maligned those who actually went on the demonstration. As an example, you had the leader of the opposition, Jeremy Corbyn, MP, who was speaking out against his presence. If you look at the news, much of the outlook was, how can you do this? This is our greatest ally, there is an eternal friendship, and you know this is rude to the leader of the quote-unquote free world, right? Now just think about that for a second. What it tells us is that this so-called special relationship, which we have seen how it works many times practically, for example, the way in which, quote-unquote, the poodle of George Bush, Tony Blair, was treated in that special relationship. I don't know if you treat your friends the way in which that relationship was treated. But this so-called special relationship is more important than ethics. Can you imagine? So now we have an individual who is teetering at least, if not certainly, on fascism. We have an individual who literally boasts about his sexual abuse of women. We have an individual literally who separates children from parents and cages them. And only yesterday in the news, you know what we heard? that when these children are being separated from their parents as they enter the border or cross the border, their medicines are being taken from them, confiscated. Such that children are now having seizures. So this type of person comes to the country, can say what he wants about whomsoever, but the relationship is more important than your ethical duty. This stamps out anything that is being built up in the consciousness of individuals. To second guess whether it is okay to protest against someone just because your countries share the very same values. This is very important. 
because you will see that the mindset shifts over a period of time. That those people who have spent their life demonstrating against evil, all of a sudden should stop when evil comes face to face with them. This is the narrative that is built up inside our own media. As a result, inshallah, in two weeks' time, on Wednesday nights, here, we will be starting a six-part course on how to analyze the biases within the media. To understand the language that is used, the imagery that is being used, how narratives are created, how repetition ensures that people change their thinking, and we will analyze specifically from BBC News, we will analyze from Fox News, clips, articles to understand how the media subverts the aql of individuals. I recommend all, inshallah, attend this series because I think it has got to a breaking point now where it is too much and people need to be able to understand how to navigate the challenges of the media in front of us. So I mention this so that people are aware of what program is coming in two weeks time, inshallah, Wednesday nights for six weeks, a special course on how to understand and analyze the media. Yesterday we also saw that in Peterborough there was the by-election when the Labour Party came first, gained the majority, and the Brexit Party came second, and the Tory Party had more than a 20% loss. It is important to think about this, that if you imagine that type of election being spread out across the UK, or at least across parts of the UK, it would mean that the strength in the electoral position that would be gained by the Brexit party would suggest the potential of even a hung parliament. Now, the last time we had a hung parliament, we had to have a coalition in this country. We had the Conservatives and we had the Liberal Democrats, correct? We had David Cameron as the Prime Minister and Nick Clegg as the Deputy Prime Minister, correct? If politics is not fixed, if the issue of Brexit is not fixed properly, there will be such an outpour of anger and hatred within the country that you will see the Brexit party gaining and gaining when it comes to a next general election. Between now and October, there needs to be movement made. Otherwise, you might see, you might see another hung parliament, the outcome of which would be that maybe something like the Conservatives would be the main party and a second party might be something like, as in, in, a, in a, a hung parliament, the second party might be something like the Brexit party. It may be, God forbid, that tomorrow we wake up and someone like Nigel Farage is deciding the outcome of the country. Someone like that may end up becoming the deputy prime minister within this country. It requires this country to become awakened to the realities of what is happening in front of it. You will see in the next few days, few weeks, especially on BBC and things like that, there will be the debates between the candidates for the conservative leadership and the next prime minister of the country. I would like you, in terms of watching those debates, speaking about it to your colleagues and to your friends, to think about the following. Each of these party members, each of these individuals will say, I can fix Brexit, correct? 
Dominic Raab, Boris, all of them will, they will say, I will deliver Brexit. Some of them will take a more hard line. If it needs to be, we need to go out. If it needs to be, we need a soft Brexit. They will switch between these two. I want you to realize one thing. Brussels have said, Brussels have said, there is no more negotiation. There's no more negotiation. That's it. The agreement that was created after all of these months of negotiation between ourselves and Theresa May, this is the deal. You now have to either put it through Parliament or you crash out. That's your choice. No one wants us to crash out without a deal. But when you see these debates take place on the BBC and other outlets, when you hear it on the news, when you read it in the newspapers, I want you to see the quality of the journalism or the lack thereof. When one person says, I will bring about Brexit, simple question, how will you do that? When Brussels have said that there is no more negotiation. Same question to you, Dominic Raab. Same question to you. Same question to you. Well, you are saying that you will bring about, how will you do it? What difference will you make to be able to deserve the vote of this 1,000 people? Be observant. See the reality of the answers of these people and whether they are leading us down the same path that others, whether they really have the best interests of people. You know, one of the interviews that took place with Donald Trump this week, the only interview by a UK journalist, journalist was by Piers Morgan. I don't know if any of you saw it. You know what Piers Morgan asked him? He said, you met with Charles, Prince Charles, about climate change. What did you think? You know what he said? And I quote, he said, it's amazing. Prince Charles is actually caring about the future of the people of his country. Why is it so surprising to this leader of the free world that a leader should be caring about the people of his country? Yet this journalist, Piers Morgan, didn't even follow up. What do you mean it's surprising that a leader of the country is looking after his people, has their concerns in his heart? You don't? This is the standard of the conversation that is taking place out there. You and I need to rise above that. We need to be able to question, be observant. If we want to wake up the electorate, it's going to have to be us to do it. Because believe me, by Allah, we are not in a position to rely on our media anymore to be able to even ask the most basic of questions. It requires you and I to lead that and make a change in the politics that we have in the time in which we live in. I'll